0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Running After Age 40 podcast. Today, I am delighted to have a two-part episode. So there is just so much wisdom to be had by our guest, Dr. Donnelly, that this is going to be an extra long episode with just so much information. You're probably going to want to do this one with a paper and pencil so that you can take some notes. So uh, we've got a full interview that talks about some of the races he's done, some of the just his overall thoughts and ideas. But I also am just going to pass the mic to him to just share his words and what he wants our audience to know. And I think, uh, you know, I'll stop talking and I'm just going to pass it on to him because he can uh, just fill your ears with the information that you need to know. Dr. Donnelly,
1: hi Sarah. That's quite a buildup, yeah. uh, but. I found your questions to be so thought-provoking that I have a few more things to add that perhaps your listeners would find helpful. So, first, in the category of training and training tips, I mentioned the importance of weightlifting, but I've been confused over the years regarding how much weight, how many reps, etc. But I have now settled in on what is called time under tension. Mm-hmm. Simply, you lift enough weight that will leave you exhausted after forty to 45 seconds. That seems to be both enough to stimulate muscle hypertrophy but also to increase endurance. I'll repeat that twice per machine and then move on. And it really kind of simplifies you know the whole debate about uh, you know muscle buildup. What can you do for endurance? It seems to be a happy medium between the two. Uh, Another point, I've come to appreciate the combination of intermittent fasting followed by a workout, specifically no calories after 7 p.m., black coffee in the morning, and then beginning a 60 to 75-minute slow bike trainer workout Mm -hmm. or treadmill, taking in water only. That not only helps to lose unwanted weight, but it really improves and stimulates your fat-burning system. I would encourage athletes to periodically reset their heart rate zones. Usually late in the fall, I'll race a 5K to establish max run heart rate and then perform a bike max heart rate and then set for slow tempo intervals off of those numbers for the upcoming winter. Okay. And lastly, I would recommend reading about how the brain is now considered the limiter as far as our potential. Uh, it's very exciting to read about that. We all have untapped potential uh, and how to train and encourage the brain to allow us to do more. I find it really fascinating mm-hmm. information. Uh, <clears throat> another subject. And I tried to self-analyze further my responses to you regarding how I accept slowing down. Yep. And yet remain motivated and keep my lifestyle of fitness fresh. And I came up with what for me is a key word, curiosity. Mm-hmm. For example, I've done some local tries over 20 to 25 times, the same course, but each time it is the first time for me at that age.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And as I look at myself as an ongoing personal experiment, I'm curious if. That steep hill on that familiar course will be the same challenge at 70 as it was at 69. Mm -hmm. And will I be able to still start my finish sprint at the same point and still hold it? I think that mindset makes it actually a new experience, then, and it remains fresh and challenging,
0: Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. It does.
1: And you asked about future goals, and after 35 years, It has become a lifestyle for me, not that it's automatic and necessarily easy to go out to the gym midwinter after dark Mm -hmm. and get in a swim, but a fitness regimen is part of me now. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a cute saying, you can let your body rust out or you can wear it out, and I still choose the latter approach. Being fit allows me to enjoy a lake or ocean swim, to cycle over passes in Colorado. Uh, to be in road races with family members Mm -hmm. and I find that crossing a finish line still with no gas left in the tank is a continuing test of character and if you will grit Mm
0: -hmm.
1: regardless of pace time or age group placement and that continues uh, for me to be an important thing regardless of age and I plan to continue with that for as long as you know physically I can. Uh, I think that's about it for follow-up. Uh, I thank you for causing me to think about things. I think occasional introspection uh, for an endurance or uh, fitness athlete is good for all of us. I think goals can change over time and to continually reassess why you do it and what you get out of it I think it's good. And I I appreciate your podcast for uh, going there with people.
0: Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I never really thought about the why either. I just kind of had always done it. And I think, you know, Katie, you know, yeah. as, as athletes growing up, you just keep doing it, And it's, it's, it is something you don't, <laughs> you don't stop and think about why you do it because it's just become a part of you. But when you do, it takes you to that deeper level. And I love the part where you talked about the brain being our limiter. Because I think I've, as I've watched my kids grow up through athletics, I've seen that firsthand and I've realized the power of the mind, and it's uh, it's incredible. I just, do you mind if I ask you a couple follow up questions? No, sure. Okay, so back to the weightlifting. I really like this time under te- tension. How long typically is your complete weight workout?
1: I can usually finish uh, the appropriate circuits in about thirty five to forty yep. minutes. Yeah, I think it's important when you're doing a rep. Uh, I kind of follow a, a two four approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two, as far as the time to lift and four, as far as the time to lower. Yep. Uh, I think it should be done slowly.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think there should be a rest in between the next rep rather mm-hmm. than springing back up. And so I kind of follow a two, four, one, you know, with yep. that one second in between the next lift.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. That's great. And then I, I also have a question about the intermittent fasting and uh, I, I do this, I would say, except for, I'm probably a little bit worse about the, I I do have snacks at night. So um, that's something that I'm a work on a work in progress on. Um, but as far as I, I like this whole philosophy and then do you take any supplements? I Vitamin? do not. No, I do okay. not. Yep. Okay. That's a, that's a, just a pharmacist to physician. I was just curious if you do, I, I don't even take a, like a multivitamin myself. I, I take vitamin D, but that's the only thing, but I do have, um, the rest of my family members, but mm -hmm.
1: I would probably qualify that statement, uh, as far as not being across the board. I think, uh, women in general have to watch iron. Yeah. I think all of us, uh, need to watch our vitamin D level. Yeah. Uh, certainly we can make our own with sun exposure
0: mm-hmm. but
1: in certain climates where there's a long winter yeah. uh, I think vitamin D it's important there's a blood test for it you know you can get checked to see if that particular okay. supplement is uh, what you need and I think that should be looked into
0: uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with that one. Uh, I've got a son that's recovering from a stress fracture with vitamin D low levels. So I'm living that firsthand as far as the heart rate zone. Uh, what are you, are you using a specific kind of watch or monitor for that? Uh,
1: <clears throat> I, I really go by a percentage of max heart rate uh-huh. uh, and I will usually, uh, use a watch for that on the bike trainer i have a power meter
0: uh yep yeah so
1: i'm more dependent on watching that number yeah i might say at this point that i'm really big on metrics overall i think they're fun i I think that if you're doing uh intervals on a treadmill and you're watching your speed and then you're taking a break and then you're going back again the time just flies by Mm-hmm, and we're mm-hmm. so focused on that number and pace uh, that I think it makes it a lot easier mm-hmm. uh, to get through a workout like that. I think uh, regardless of, of watch or power meter, we can all feel what yes. a long, slow pace is, whether it be on the bike or the run. I think you hardly need one when you do intervals if you do Short enough intervals that it is an all-out effort.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I I find uh, a watch for me uh, and GPS guidance is particularly valuable if I'm trying to pace a, a 5K or a 10K run.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think
1: especially in a try, uh, you know, the common mistake is going out on the run too fast. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's helpful for me to look at a pace uh, during the first part of a run.
0: Yep. Uh, this might seem like a silly question to you, but you mentioned that you do the heart rate kind of the reset in the late fall to see what, what your max is. Is there, there's no seasonality behind that. Is there, is that just something you do? Cause it's on an annual basis.
1: I think it's better for me because I am then usually, uh, resigned to indoor workouts
0: ah, uh-huh. in the winter.
1: And, okay. uh, It's it's something that lets me set the treadmill and set the bike trainer power meter uh, for my winter workouts. And I am usually in my top form uh, by September because I've done three or four tries by then. And uh, when I cut back on the swimming, I kind of increase the running. And so if I do an October 5K, that really is, I think, testing me at my maximum fitness for that age. Uh huh. And I I think it's it's really hard if you're not in a race uh, to go all out, you know, yes. <laughs> especially for a 5k. k.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So I like to be in an event where I tend to push myself. And mm-hmm. I think that gives me my best reading.
0: I like that. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And then my my final question, I guess, based on this segment is about the brain. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, that you've read about these you've. Have you is there any particular book or article that you've read or any takeaway i guess with a tangible recommendation as far as meditation or visualization or anything in particular that you're doing or is it just something that you're just taking note of and you know pushing yourself mentally
1: Well i think first of all i would emphasize that understanding and and getting into working with the brain to allow you to do more is, is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a competitor and I want to get the most speed endurance that I can. And when you realize that workouts can only go so far that there is a certain uh, conversation you have to have with your brain to do better. Uh, I, I, am stimulated by that. It is Basically, involving a lot of pain, Uh, the brain is trying to protect you from hurting yourself. Mm -hmm. It limits you when it feels like you are under too much stress. When you do harder workouts, uh, you educate the brain that, hey, it's okay to let me go faster, longer, because remember when I did it during that workout and I didn't die? Yeah. So, you will be okay allowing me to do it again during the race Uh, particular book. No, there's a lot of writing about it. Now. I think it started with an author. uh, I'm not even sure the pronunciation Noah keys, N O A K E S. I think he first started to write about how we all have this uh, potential that, uh, you know, can be tapped on. And I just find it fascinating. And, uh, it does involve, though, really stressing and pushing, and there I would have to go back to our earlier conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. You've got to
1: make sure that your heart's okay. Yes. You know you yes. have to get the checkup because I would not encourage somebody to go into uh, a really hard pain area without knowing that they're they're structurally, physiologically capable of of surviving it.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with you there. And I remember when I was very first starting out running, this would have been even before college. And I used to read a lot of running books. And I think it was, it might have been George Sheehan or something like that, that had it in there. And it was like this silly thing that I still remember. And I've told my kids about it, that he talked about you know, when you feel tired, like talking to your tired, you know, and I remember I would in races, I'd be like, hi, tired, you know, you, it's okay. You can yeah. come along with me, but I'm not slowing down. And it seems so silly, but it worked. And then the more I've learned, you know, now about the the actual why it worked, it, it's fascinating to me, just the the ability to push ourselves beyond what we believed possible. So I love that.
1: Yeah, it is fascinating stuff.
0: hmm. So, okay, I've got uh, lots of notes for the show notes and for, uh, you know, in both the first interview and then this uh, shorter segment, but do you have any last words, I guess, to leave our listeners with?
1: Uh, Again, I think to uh, reanalyze periodically your goals, uh, to kind of step back and see if what you're doing Uh, is in any way interfering or harmful to others. Uh, We didn't touch on it much in the first conversation, and it is another entirely different but interesting subject, the issue of becoming addicted Uh to workouts. Uh, I think there is that situation for some. I think family and relationships and work can suffer. Uh, If you don't understand that there has to be, uh, again, a good control and discipline to keep things in proper balance. And I guess I would just end by uh, encouraging people to uh, even ask, you know, others, spouse, whatever, uh, am I going too far with this? You know, I think that would be an important thing to periodically revisit.
0: Yeah, I love that. And just for the listeners, stay on because uh, I'm going to connect to our first interview and you can hear more about Dr. Donnelly's journey from his start of not being able to swim, anything besides just the the one stroke and then his uh, accomplishments, which includes multiple triathlons, even an Ironman, uh, and just all kinds of different tips and tricks that he has. So stay tuned for the full episode. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Running After Age Forty podcast. I'm Sarah, your host, and I have a special guest here today, uh, Dr. Donnelly, who was highly recommended from Katie, who is on episode five of this podcast. Uh, So Katie told me he has been a true inspiration to her on her fitness, running, and triathlon journey. And one of my goals at this podcast is just to get real people out there who are staying fit, Uh, you know, doing the things to stay healthy, stay running or cycling or doing triathlons, whether it's competitively or just, you know, making sure that they get their daily walk-in. I just really want to share stories of real people. So I'm always excited when uh, people share other people. And I also have always found in my life that once you connect with another, person who has been a runner or a triathlete or cyclist, you know, usually you connect with them in a different way. It's just funny how it's like in this instantaneous, you kind of understand what they're, they're going through. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, Dr. Donnelly, thank you for joining us today uh, on a Monday morning. And do you want to just share with our listeners a little bit about you?
1: Sure. And thanks, Sarah, for having me on. I'm afraid that Katie may have built me up too much But I'm hoping that some of your listeners will find interest in my story. Yes. Because we all have a story, don't we?
0: Yep. Uh,
1: My life began as an athlete in 1986, and I was 35 years of age. I had returned to Kansas City from being a small town family practitioner to start an ophthalmology residency. Mm -hmm. A friend asked, or you could say dared me, to be in a triathlon with him. After he explained to me what that was, because they were just getting started, yes, I told him I could only breaststroke. I didn't own a bike, and running one lap around the track wore me out. Yeah, well, he told me yeah. not to worry. So <laughs> I joined the Y to swim. I bought a bike and I began to slowly run more. Okay. Eight weeks later, I finished the event, walking more of the six mile run mm-hmm. than running, but I was hooked. I am now turning seventy. I've been in two marathons, about a dozen five and 10 Ks, five half Ironmans, and around 130 short and Olympic distance triathlons. Wow! Looking back, I think it helped me that I started basically at zero fitness and no athletic background because the only way I could go was up. Yep. Every year, almost every month, I saw improvement and went from being very much back of the pack. To placing in my age group for the first time after 10 years of events, and then maintaining podium in my age group as I got older. Not every runner/slash triathlete, of course, is motivated by a competitive streak, but it was strong within me as I found out. Training now is my lifestyle. I think I have successfully woven the time required for that into family and work demands and basically where I am right now.
0: Yeah, let's that that's so much value in in like one minute. (laughs) So let's start with the end that you just brought up because you talked about like weaving it into your training. So obviously, when you moved back to Kansas, and you were going to be in ophthalmology uh, training, that's so intense. So how did you make that bridge? Like, how did you make it from zero fitness to actually weaving it into your life and making it balanced when you're trying to drink, like such a time intensive career? Yeah,
1: I actually, in a residency compared to uh, family practice in a small town, I actually had more time. Okay. Okay. And I was surrounded by uh, fellow residents who were at least 10 years younger. And so it became one of my goals to become at least as fit as these younger people. Since I could not chronologically turn back time, I would Mm -hmm. hope to physiologically at least become their equal. Uh, I think of the word clever uh, when it comes to weaving, uh, the requirements uh, of a of an athlete into family, etc. Uh, after the kids would go to bed, mm-hmm. you know, I would run up to the Y for a swim sometimes on family vacations. When uh, the family was uh, pooped out and went to bed, yep. I would find the hotel stairs and yep. uh, do stair climbing for 20, 30 minutes. It, it's, it's an art in a way to mm-hmm. find those periods of time when you can get in the workout, not disturb anybody else. And it's it's kind of a fun game, as I found out.
0: Yeah, I, I love it. I love finding other people that do crazy things. I remember, you know, if you've ever been to Vegas and on the Strip, it's so busy. Uh, so it, it, I was there with my it wasn't my family, but I was there with, you know, a couple of friends and I remember doing the stairs there just, and, and at various hotels, maybe where it wasn't safe, you know, for me to run early in the morning. And I had a a meeting really early or something. And there's something like super crazy, but yet so therapeutic about running a hotel stairway. I don't know why, but I, when you find somebody else that is willing to put those kind of things in and, and just make it happen, it it just is. I like how you said it's weaving into your lifestyle. So, yeah, that's that's great. I think
1: there's a there's a uh, aspect of, I would say, healthy guilt.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, when you're training for an for an event or a race, you know, in your head uh, that you have to do certain things at certain intervals. And uh, if for some reason you miss one of those, I think it's it's not a bad thing to feel guilt. Yep. Uh, it increases the pressure to try and be more regular, but it all has to be kept in balance. Yep. And I think you have to stay in charge of your uh, regimen rather than vice versa, which mm-hmm. is difficult.
0: It, yeah, I like that. Stay in charge of your regimen. So back up again to when you first started the swimming and the biking. You know, I think running is a little bit more it's you can just start walk, run, you know, and it's not quite so difficult as far as technical. There are a lot of things you can work on, but just when you started to swim, especially back in the eighties, like you said, triathlons weren't very popular. I, I started running in the nineties when it was hard, you know, still to find a road race in Iowa. So talk about that. Just like the, the community that was there at that point and how you learned to swim and bike.
1: Well, I, I could only breaststroke, and I did yeah. the, the first two years of triathlons uh, doing only that, uh, but at the same time, I was devouring every magazine. Yeah. Uh, I was learning technique uh, along the way somewhere YouTube came out, uh-huh. uh, tremendous videos on how to freestyle, and I just started working at it, and uh, it, it came along. And I think in my third year, I finished my first uh, Olympic try in Biscayne Bay in Florida doing freestyle. And that was a a very proud moment for me. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. I think that uh, the magazines early on, uh, you know, helped tremendously. Uh, Triathlon is somewhat unique in that some of our uh, pros, of course, would be right there at the starting line with you. Yeah. And that was quite thrilling. Uh, I don't know of any other uh, sport where you're right shoulder to shoulder with the heroes of your yeah. sport, uh, but it's very encouraging. And there was uh, a lot of uh, thrill in, in seeing that and doing that, reading about the races in the magazines and mm-hmm. hoping that someday you would be at that same starting line.
0: Yeah, that's, that's cool. I have two questions, I guess, based on that. And you already started alluding to like that proud moment when you finished that Olympic distance triathlon. So if you want to just kind of expand on how you felt about that after that initial journey. And then the other question I have is how you picked your races back then, if it was from the magazines or uh, because that would have been early before, you know, the the races were so available online and whatnot. So how did you find, you know, how did you find each goal of yours, I guess?
1: Well, it it started with appreciating uh, what happens at the back of the pack, which is certainly where I was for quite some time. When you're struggling and you're walking and then you're running, and there's people around you suffering the same way, there's such an instant connection with those people. And their words of encouragement, uh, you know, I can still remember. uh, As I became more competitive, of course, I moved up. uh, There was not the same uh, sort of uh, connection, uh, but uh, my competitive streak uh at that time was coming on pretty strong Mm -hmm. and uh, i did improve Uh, as i say it was probably 10 years into doing uh triathlons that i first uh reached the podium in my age group and that was quite a thrill Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah you just you read uh at that time uh being rather new uh you sometimes even download a six week or a 12 week training program. Mm -hmm. Uh, You try and stick with it. You came to understand the different types of workouts, uh, long, Mm -hmm. slow, uh, tempo intervals. And of course you, you would try and do those in each of the three events. And it became quite a challenge to put those together and, uh, uh, not, uh, you know, have it become negative as far as doing too much, uh, but still realizing that periodization was important, yep. that taking a little time off. But as I got older, I found that taking time off was uh, often uh, not a helpful thing, uh, mm-hmm. that you lose too much. But uh, back then, it was uh, often, again, that guilt thing uh, to take some time off after uh, a hard eight-week program, uh, it was tough to make yourself do that. It is. But mm-hmm. obviously important that you do so.
0: hmm mm-hmm.
1: But it, I yeah. was uh, for a while um, working out with other triathletes. But when it comes right down to it, it is kind of a, a solo uh situation uh Mm -hmm. it's fun to work out with other people we all know that working out with people stronger faster than ourselves will help us get better uh but Mm -hmm. if you're too dependent uh you know then sometimes uh you miss a workout or the Mm -hmm. purpose of your partner's workout is different than yours as you know in triathlete there's different triathlons there's different uh distances Mm If somebody's training for a full Ironman, that's way different than if you're trying to do a a fast sprint.
0: So do you have a, you know, going back from where you started the breaststroke with swimming, did you find that you liked one of the three better? Or do you kind of take each swimming, biking, and running and enjoy them all just in different ways?
1: For a long time, I saw swimming as just a means to an end. Uh-huh. Uh, it's obviously an integral part of triathlon. Uh, I appreciated learning how to freestyle. I really do like open water swimming in a lake or okay. in the ocean. Uh, going to the pool is still somewhat of a, a drag. I must mm-hmm. admit. Yeah. Uh, biking uh, is a lot of fun. <clears throat> you can do it on vacations with the family, etc. Yep. <clears throat> but it's, it, And I I think everybody's different, but as I became more and more competitive, I did find actually that running was my strong suit and you're always going to like more uh, what is helping you win and compete. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really into uh, interval training and uh, never do long runs, but to do short, fast, Uh, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just a lot of fun. It feels good.
0: So is that still today then you still, you don't, you're not big into the long runs, but you're still doing more of the short and fast running training.
1: Primarily. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, the interval training, uh, certainly applies to swimming and of course, biking, Mm -hmm. uh, I think for the time challenged. And again, there's books with that title, uh, You know, you can get a lot out of uh, 30, 40 minutes uh, when you're doing intervals and high intensity. Uh, I I do, if I'm in a sort of a vacation spot and the scenery is good, Mm -hmm. I can appreciate a long, slow run. Uh, But I'm really more into going to do uh, hill repeats and things like that.
0: Mm Yeah. Yeah. Do you tend to, for the running specifically, do you do you run on the treadmill too? Or do you just go outside?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As you know, in Kansas, uh,
0: know.
1: Yeah. I'm not into torturing myself out yeah. in bad weather.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. I do
1: have a treadmill in the basement. Uh, it gives me a chance to catch up on some old movies. Yeah. And uh, uh, I just... Uh, appreciate it, not only at the treadmill, but the indoor bike trainer, as far as uh, getting right to the heart of the workout, not having to worry about stop signs, uh, dogs, potholes, uh, cars. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just so much interruption sometimes when you're doing a workout outside. And so I'm fortunate that I can enjoy uh, a couple hours in the basement uh, during the winter but it works for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this this is sort of a naive question. So I I've done um what, I've done a handful of triathlons and I think I've I'd have to asked my husband. I think we did one duathlon. I um I had one of those uh bike trainers where you took your own bike and then you put it on the the trainer. So again, forgive me cuz my cycling was never a strong point. But do you have uh-huh. what kind of bike do you use indoors? Do you use one that's like your actual road bike and then you put it on a a a trainer or do you have a different type of, uh, indoor cycling bike?
1: Well, actually I have, uh, three bikes. Uh, I have a tri bike with the different configuration and the arrow bars. Uh, I have a pretty good, uh, road bike, uh, that I have uh, built recently and updated with disc brakes, the electronic shifting, et cetera. Nice. But then I have my older road bike that is specifically and only kept on the trainer.
0: Okay. I have an okay. older
1: compu-trainer, uh, and I just keep it uh, hooked up there.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, I have not gotten into the newer Swift and, and uh, uh, the Kickers and things like that. But mm-hmm. still, it allows me to do them indoor computerized, uh, uh-huh. cycling workout and very, uh, you know, what I'm looking at. So that's what I
0: got. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Okay. All right. So let's talk about just frustration. <laughs> so, you know, I think any athlete, especially if, if you keep doing as many races, I mean, I think I, I jotted it down, but probably it's close to 200 races or, or more. Right. Um, so, there's times where you're frustrated either with training or your races. So can you talk to just how you've dealt with that, uh, and, you know, gotten through it?
1: Sarah, It's a pretty short answer. And honestly, I've never been frustrated. Okay. Uh, I think it, it starts because, uh, when I began at age 35, I began Uh at zero, uh, from 35 to around age 50, my times got better yep. and how can you be frustrated when you're getting faster and better and more fit, uh, between, uh, 50 and, and almost 60 late fifties, uh, my times remained steady.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Now
1: between 60 and 70, uh, I have lost about a minute per mile on a 5k run. Okay. Uh, Swimming has stayed about the same, believe it or not. Biking, of course, has slowed some, uh, but uh, frustration—it's—it's it's never been part of it for me.
0: That's great. <laughs> yes. I think
1: I've kind of looked at myself as a as a clinical experiment. Uh, mm-hmm. Being a physician, I've just mm-hmm. always kind of looked at myself almost third person as to, you know, what can the body do, uh, mm-hmm. what can the body take, uh, and. I've been able to sort of, uh, separate myself in that sense, uh, by just seeing myself as an experiment of one and every year it's a different challenge and that's good for me.
0: Yeah. I, I love that every year is a different challenge. So what, what's your workout regimen look like now?
1: Well, uh, again, I try not to stay uh, rigid and tied to it. But again, the three types of workouts over three events, uh, it becomes, again, just in your head, something you have to uh, uh, sometimes combine to get it all in. Uh, for instance, I can do a swim and then go do weights. Yep. And I do try and lift weights twice a week. Oh, uh, right. You know, obviously, you do a bike followed by a run. And to combine the events, uh, and you have to, of course, be aware that you can't do a hard interval bike and then the next day do a hard interval run. You have to mix up the slow and yeah. the hard. And I, I just kind of keep it in my head. Uh, I, I don't actually so much take a day off unless family events, you know, call yeah. for that. Uh, my day off is usually mowing the grass. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, it, it's just uh, uh, being now part time at work, yep. uh, I can uh, be more uh, free as to uh, when I work out and the duration. I, I would think now probably uh, I spend 10 to 12 hours a week on average working out.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. So it, to be that intense, Uh, you know, do you do anything? You mentioned the weights two times a week. Is that any kind of formula that you've found that's injury prevention? Is it just free weights? What kind of things are you doing and do you incorporate any stretching or anything like that? I guess that helps you to stay injury free or at least minimize your injuries.
1: Yeah, truly. I have been injury free. I've not ever had to miss an event because of an injury injury. Uh, Obviously, I have more aches and uh, uh, stiffness when I first get up. Uh, But as far as weights, uh, I just do circuit training, a little Mm -hmm. bit of pre-weights, but mostly circuit. I'm aware that there's certain uh, specific uh, weight uh, regimens designed for triathletes. I don't really follow those. I lift weights because... Uh, of other things i need to carry grandkids around i need yep. to carry out the trash yeah and so i think weights are good uh, even if it's not specific for uh events yeah uh, i enjoy weightlifting. lifting uh, i think there's a certain body image that uh, you know people feel comfortable with
0: mm-hmm. i
1: think lifting weights is very important for weight control mm-hmm. uh, for those that have issues with that uh, as far as the Uh, freedom of injury I was lucky to be biomechanically put together well Uh, hips ankles knees I think there's a lot of people challenged and they uh, you know will uh, despite their best efforts uh, Mm -hmm. have injuries Uh, I'm a strong believer in Pilates as far as core strength and injury prevention I'm not really big on stretching Uh, I take a lot of hot baths Uh I think that Mm -hmm. reduces inflammation. I think it stimulates the immune system. And Mm -hmm. I think that's very helpful. Uh, But otherwise, uh, you know, it's inherent in triathlon that you cross train. And I think that that obviously speaks for itself as far as uh, avoiding injury uh, when you're solely doing uh, one thing or mostly one thing. And I've never really done... Long miles, as I said, I, I I can understand people who enjoy that. I do kind of uh, believe now that uh, there can be too much. Yeah. Uh, I think some of the information on heart issues
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, is actually true. Obviously, not for everyone, but I think, uh, you know, there there is too much of a good thing sometimes. And uh, that's never been my situation to have to go all out for that. I would also say at this point that uh, I don't think that you can out fitness bad genes. Yeah, uh, I think some people live in denial if they have family history or other cardiac risk factors. Uh, they just have to get checkups because we've seen enough stories where somebody uh, will collapse and have a heart event uh you know when they've done 20 marathons in the past
0: yeah yeah that's that's uh, yeah that's great advice that you can't you can't outfitness bad genes i like that it's well said what about yeah. just the effects of especially since you picked it up later in life just the mental effects and the how did that impact your life, I guess, you know, maybe professionally or within your family?
1: Well, I I think everyone has work days to grind on uh, projects that seem endless Uh and and endurance athletes, I I think, learn how to handle that. We know that every uh, race, you know, uh, doing a marathon, I mean, it's so trite almost, but it starts with one step and one mile. Yeah. Yeah. And we learn that mental discipline, I think, uh, when we're doing workouts that, you know, require that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I, I think that uh, when we set a goal and we work hard and through discipline, we achieve that goal, uh, it's tremendous for self-esteem. And that carries over into everything that we do. I think, as we talked about earlier, uh learning and practicing time management yeah. uh it's hugely important if we are to be successful as athletes, but obviously for everything else that we do, so
0: yeah, I think so too. It's like trying to squeeze sometimes in. You know, I haven't done the Pilates. Maybe you'll motivate me to do that. But it's, it's trying to strength the, the schedule in the strength training and things like that that are the things I like to do less that I have to, you know, maybe sometimes put in sports throughout the day because they're not always the top of my list. But I, tr- I do try to make them happen. I have a question that's a little bit more fun. Like, what's the neatest place? Maybe you could tell us a little story about like somewhere you've done a triathlon, that's been just unique, uh, a place to visit, you know, maybe it's scenery.
1: Well, yeah, and I think it is uh, fortunate that, you know, triathlons are just everywhere. Uh, And it's fun to think that you could have a family vacation. And my gosh, at the same time, there's a triathlon going there. Uh Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: Sometimes my wife thinks that I've been a little bit uh, too clever in planning such (laughs) things. Yeah, But uh, we went to a wedding one time on Catalina Island off of uh, L.A., and there was a triathlon there, and it was so fun and so unique. Uh, I've done a couple in uh, Napa. uh, Mm -hmm. They were fun vacations. But I must say uh, my favorite and truly unique is the Escape from Alcatraz triathlon. Oh, okay. And uh, I got hooked on it a long time ago. I've done it 15 times. Uh, it's probably at the, the pinnacle of my career that this year, uh, I finally, uh, got on the podium in my age group, oh, uh, maybe a little bit of bragging, but uh-huh. yeah, uh, it, 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 goes along with, uh, setting a goal yep. and having fun with it. And, uh, uh, again, you would think that at the age of 70, you're not going to find, uh, something so exciting and thrilling, but it was really, uh, Probably the pinnacle for me so far. And I have to say, so far, because again, uh, I'm not done with things, you see. Yeah, I think it is important, uh, you know, and and I have uh, uh, family members now who enjoy triathlon. And I'm sure in the future there'll be some uh, venue that they will help me select that will be uh, fun, exciting, but also. A vacation for the rest of the family who's not participating
0: yeah well congratulations on the escape from alcatraz that sounds Thank really you. cool that's awesome and then i like that where you said you're not done so talk to me about the like what do you have goals like for either the next year five years you know how far out are you thinking
1: uh i don't have a, a far out set mm-hmm. uh, I didn't make this out, but I, I think about this uh, saying or mantra that uh, my goal is to uh, slow down slower uh, yeah. than my fellow age groupers. Uh, I think that's pretty cool to think about it that way. Uh, you can't look at your watch and decide that you had a good race or not. I think you have to look at your peers uh, okay. to really feel uh about where you are and uh what you're doing with your workout regimen uh that continues to uh inspire me uh as far as uh, age group and mm. uh placing and I know uh the competitive thing is not for everybody uh but it is kind of fuel for me yep. and uh I would I would uh, just continue to see that as a, a personal goal uh, to just try and keep up uh, competitively with where I am in my age group, of course.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, I love that. I like the that you can't look at your watch. That you need to look at your fellow age groupers. And I think that's that was kind of the whole premise of why I started the podcast in the first place and the site is just because it can be frustrating. Uh, you know, Katie and I both ran from an early age. So, you know, you you your times ultimately slow down. And so just trying to find a goal aside from that can be a challenge. So the the fact of looking at your fellow age groupers is such a more attainable thing. Well,
1: I've I've certainly seen that happen. Uh, Mm -hmm. with some of my friends they were gifted Mm -hmm. early on and uh, excelled as athletes and completely depressed and demoralized as they got slower and uh, I I was just never in that position to experience that
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm.
1: and you know I, I said competitiveness is the thing for me but also Uh, The workouts themselves, even if there were no races, which, of course, there weren't last year. That's true. Uh, But the workouts themselves and, uh, you know, uh, maybe it's a little bit of a uh, strange thing. But uh, when I'm in the middle of a hard workout, uh, those endorphins kick in.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, I almost feel, sound silly, but ageless for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, As long as I don't look in my watch or the timer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Tell me that, you know, there, there is less speed than there was. But of course, that feeling doesn't last long after the workout. But it's one of the few times where uh, you really feel like, you know, there is no age issue going on here.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, this is that you've given us all so much wisdom. I guess as we close out, do you have any favorite books or uh, podcasts or just any resources that you would recommend to our listeners?
1: No, not really. Again, I think there's some people that are very much into online coaching, and I think that's great. Yeah, I think joining a team uh, can be a wonderful thing as long as you realize there can be different goals. Yep. Uh I would have one final thing to say because yeah. I'm not sure that it's the same uh, as when I started. Yep. But it has to do with uh the camaraderie and collegiality. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times during a race when somebody passing me or my passing somebody else, there was that uh good going or yep. keep it up or you can do this and it's just amazing the effect that it can have on you or somebody else. Yes. And even, uh, you know, the little nod or hand wave uh, when you see another runner or cyclist on the street, I would, I would hope that that doesn't ever go away.
0: I hope so too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if nothing else, right. Through podcasts like this, I guess we can give each other, Like, you know, like the people that are listening, you know, like a high five that you can do it. And, you know, maybe you're on the last mile of your bike or your run and and you can do that last little bit. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I I appreciate that. Well, I I learned a lot. I uh, I will make sure that I'm going to write up all these show notes. You had a lot of quotes in here that, um, you know, just. You know every year is a different challenge. you know i I'm really intrigued by that you never missed an event due to injury. and I think that what you talked about with the cross training is a big part of that and how you on your hard days, you go hard, but you also realize that you can't just do hard days over and over and over. So that's you know right. those, those are just a couple of my quick takeaways, but I have a lot more too. So Katie was right. Good. You have a lot of inspiration for us all. Um, oh. yeah. Great. Well,
1: it's just my journey. Everybody else has their own story, and yep. uh, I'm sure they're at least, if not more, interesting. But that's me.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, I think everybody has, you know, their own stories. But this was certainly an interest Anybody that's done the number of the triathlons that you've done, that's uh that's that's crazy. I, I'll ask you one quick question before we get uh, my off wife. Here.
1: Would, my wife would agree; it's crazy.
0: I know, uh, but I've always think like, if people don't. I think if people don't think we're a little bit crazy, then, you know, maybe we're not going all out in our life, you know? So sure. it's, I don't think that being crazy is, uh, is a bad thing, but I'll ask you one final question. Then I'll let you yeah. get back to your day, but do you have any good stories? I'm curious if you have any funny stories from traveling, like with your bike or like anything like that. Has it always been smooth? Or has there ever been a time where you're trying to get to a race and like trying to get your bike and stuff there had to be, or even just something kind of silly that happened during the race?
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's all that humorous, but again, there's always stories about transporting a bike and the issues that happen. Uh, But there was a time I had just finished Alcatraz and I had scheduled a plane return uh, two hours after the event and I'm in the hotel room by myself. Yeah. And I'm trying to get a pedal off to fit the bike into the case. And uh, I stripped the Allen wrench. Mm -hmm. And so what am I going to do, you know, and it won't fit. And I can't get to the airport. Well, somebody down at the desk, a fellow triathlete had another one that I could use. But it's a freak out moment, you know, uh, that you hope never happens again. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. now I take it easy. I just rent a bike wherever I'm going
0: oh okay that yeah that i could do that that's i was thinking to myself i would especially with all the problems with air travel anymore i'm not sure i would trust them so that that makes good sense well thank you so much i really appreciate your time and i can't wait to get this episode up it's my pleasure
1: sarah thank you
0: this was a ton of fun thank you have a good one you too